is where we'll be at. Um, there's a, I know that Carl made the announcement here a minute ago that we are still uh, taking up contributions for the Mountain States Children's Home. And so if you uh, want to bring food items, you can see uh, Kathy. Um, where's Kathy at? There she is right there. Uh, Kathy's got all the information you need, or you can just give a check or cash to Kathy, and she will do the shopping for you. But because of the roads, Randy Scow, the director of the Children's Home, couldn't make it to Montana this last week. And so we have until the end of February uh, to uh, to gather more. And so it's, maybe it's a blessing in disguise, and it's just a, more ways that we can uh, help and be a blessing to that Children's Home down in Colorado. Uh, there is a... Uh, we're going to go into uh, this section of Luke chapter 20 today here. And there is, uh, how many of you have heard the phrase, you know, what are you made of? You ever think about that? What am I really made of? What really, really makes me tick? And this is this phrase has come up several times in, in my life, people mentioning it or asking that. And I remember I had uh, one of my roommates in college who was a distance runner, and he ran uh, for York College. And one of the things he said is distance running helps you understand what you're made of. And what he meant by that is when you're running and you feel like you've got nothing left and you're absolutely empty, are you going to keep going and are you capable of doing that or are you just going to say, I'm slowing down, I quit, I'm, I'm done with this. And so that was something that he used. He said distance runnings are stronger because we know what we're made of because we have to push ourselves to the limit. You know, that's the kind of thing that, that he talked about. And I remember a few years later, someone told me, when you get married you find out uh, what you're made of because you start figuring out how selfish you really are and you didn't realize before. And not only is that true, but once you have kids, you start really finding out what you're made of and really how selfish you are because all of a sudden, everything changes in life. And I've remembered that is we find out something about what we're made of in those situations. And I believe it's true as well as any time we experience some sort of adversity in life, how we respond to that adversity tells us a whole lot about what we're made of. And if we, we throw a fit and, and we behave badly, it's an indicator of what's going on inside of us. But when we, dim, we come face-to-face with adversity and we dig deep and we go deep with God, it shows something about uh, what we're made of. Now, I saw this uh, ad this, this last week, and apparently what's being sold here is if you have this beautiful watch, and I'm sure that watch is very expensive, I have no idea, that tells you something about what you're made of, and you can be like Brad Pitt. Okay? I'm not sure how he does that with his mouth. I don't think I'm going to walk around that house practicing that, whatever that is. People don't really do that, do they? Not in real life. But if you have this watch, boy, that says something about what you're made of. You know, that's, that's great stuff. And so we're going to look through today is Jesus has some interactions with some people that we see what they're really made of. If you look in uh, chapter 20, verses 41 through 44, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? Okay, everybody understand what's going on here? Okay, we'll just move on. This is easy, right? Now, it's, kind of, it's pretty confusing what Jesus says here. And remember, Jesus is there in the temple grounds, 
And these religious leaders are trying to trap him. They're saying, well, what do you, what do you think, Jesus? If there's a guy, there's a lady that's, that's uh, married to a guy and, and he dies and she doesn't have any children and she marries his seven brothers, whose husband is she, or whose wife is she at the resurrection? Or you see them asking Jesus, well, Jesus, we got this question we're wrestling with. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus responds and walks through each one of those questions and as he understands, they're just traps. That's all they are. And to finish out this interaction with the religious leaders, Jesus asks this question. And if we're going back, understanding some of the history, is David was Israel's greatest king. It was understood that you go back to the times of David, that was the glory days of great stuff that happened. And David was a man after God's own heart. And we see from Isaiah chapter 11 and many, many other places that the Messiah was going to be a son or descendant of David. But when you look at Psalm 10, David calls the Messiah that was going to be coming Lord. And so Jesus' question is simply this. How can David's son be his Lord? Or how can a descendant of David be greater than him? And what Jesus is doing is taking some of these scriptures and sharing something very important here that Jesus is made of much more than you anticipate. And we're not going to see what this is yet. Jesus doesn't give an answer. He just pitches the question, and lets them wrestle with it. But what Jesus is going to do is we know the end of the story. We understand who he is as well. He is God himself who became flesh to walk among us, to become this perfect sacrifice so that our sins could be taken away and forgiven. And so Jesus, when he deals with adversity, we're going to see here in the next bit, he deals with adversity and he is uh, accused of all sorts of terrible things that he does not do. He's given a mock trial. He's beaten And he is executed, and while he's up there on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And in adversity, Jesus went deeper with God, not away from God, and shows us something about who Jesus is. He's made of something much, much more than people that are there listening anticipate. Let's continue on. And we see in verse 45, it says, When all the people were listening... Jesus said to his disciples, so he's still there on the temple grounds and all these religious leaders are around him. He says, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have most the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So the question here is, what are the religious leaders made of? And Jesus says, well, the religious leaders appear important and in control and all that, and and they they walk around in these flowing robes. They've They've got the nice watches that we saw. That shows us something about what they're made of, right? They, uh, they walk around and they, they have all the greatest things to say and they'd love to just walk into these banquets or be walking down the street and someone say, Oh my, that's so-and-so. He's one of our religious leaders. Isn't he amazing? Yes, 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 I am. And thank you very much. And, and walk on and just love to be noticed and love to be, their egos to be stroked. He says that's what they appear. But the religious leaders are what really makes them tick. He says they devour widows' houses. In other words, they're willing to take from people who cannot take care of themselves. Instead of blessing people who can't take care of themselves, they're willing to take. They're willing to take advantage of those people. Jesus says in in another place in the Gospels that they're willing to put burdens on people's shoulders that they're not willing to bear themselves. In other words, this is good for you and you need to do this, but I'm not about to do that myself. There's no way I'm going to do that myself. 
And these long prayers that they say are prayers that are designed to make them look spiritual. They're really not talking to God at all. They're just talking to themselves and, and, and want everybody to say, oh, that was a phenomenal prayer. That was so amazing. They were, oh, look at how spiritual they are. And Jesus shows that these religious leaders are made of much, much less than people believe. They're not what you think they are. All that stuff that's going on on the outside, and we've talked about this a lot in Luke, it's not great. These people are not the great spiritual leaders. This is the last time in Luke that Jesus rebukes the spiritual leaders or warns people against them. And, um, and that's, um, we're going to see how things pan out and continue to next week. Well, let's continue on here. As Jesus is, is sharing this about the religious leaders, it says, He looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these other people gave gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Boy, that story makes me uncomfortable right there. As you imagine, as Jesus is standing there, with these religious leaders and these crowds around him. And there were several places in the temple where people could go and give. And some of them were dedicated specifically to give to the poor. And so Jesus is talking about these religious leaders, and here they are, and, um, and they are not what they look like. They, they're not what you think they are. They're people that are actually pushing people farther away from God instead of bringing people closer to God. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus looks over and says, There, there, that's it, right there. There, look at this lady. And here comes this lady that nobody would have noticed otherwise and walks through the temple grounds and goes over and puts pocket change, puts just a little bit into that treasury. And there's other people are coming and going. You can imagine there's, there's uh, some of these wealthy people are coming. And once they arrive, everybody's head turns and thinks, oh man, what are they going to do today? These people are amazing. Look at how much they're going to give. Look at how generous they're going to be. And everybody looks away when those wealthy people are not there. And this widow comes up and puts hardly anything in and Jesus draws attention to her and says, that's it, right there. That's it. Look at this. There's something here that you need to learn about what it means to follow me. I try to put myself in this widow's position because you notice Jesus here, he doesn't criticize the people who are wealthy that are being generous. Takes no issue with it here at all. But he takes, he wants us to understand something about this widow that is there and what makes her tick. We talked about uh, in the adult Bible class this morning where we did the first two chapters of Ruth, which is a phenomenal story, and we're going to finish that up next week. Because Ruth is, during the time of Judges, when people are... There's wars, there's battles, there's idolatry. As Judges says, everybody did what they saw was right in their own eyes. And so what you, what you did was different than what I did. We just did whatever we thought was right at any given time. And that makes for a society in turmoil. But in the middle of this society of turmoil, there's this lady named Naomi who uh, leaves with her husband and two sons, goes to a foreign country, Moab, a neighboring country, because there's food there and there wasn't in Bethlehem where they were at. And while she is there, she loses her husband, she loses her both of her sons, and it looks like society, or societies, how can they take care of her? Uh, she's, uh, she doesn't have other family except these two daughter-in-laws that are from Moab. 
And Naomi, it follows the story along, and it's just amazing. And Naomi says, ladies, just stay home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. There's food there now. I'm going to go back and just see what happens. See if I can, she didn't say this, but she's going to go back and see if she can try to find somebody who will take care of her there. And Ruth decides, no, I'm going with you. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Wherever you go, I will go with you, and I will be buried where you are buried. So Naomi must have showed a great example of who she was and who this God was that she served because Ruth follows her back to Bethlehem. And the story is amazing. And it continues on there. Beth, that Naomi goes back and she says, people say, is this Naomi? I'm not sure they recognize her. And she said, no, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And I'm sure those years had taken a toll on her and she looked burdened and sad. And here she is back in her hometown, and she has no way to take care of herself. And uh, the story continues on, her, her daughter-in-law. Uh, God works in some amazing ways there. And I imagine this lady's story was somehow similar, is that somewhere in life, she's going along, and uh, apparently there's a lot of widows hung out of the temple, because they, they would stay there and they pray, like Anna, for example, when Jesus is born, he's taken to the temple. And Anna is there, and she she stays at the temple, and she prays, and she blesses people. That's what she does as, as a widow. And so this widow, we don't know anything about her, but I just imagine at some point in time, she lost her husband, and she finds herself in a place thinking, I'm not sure how I can take care of myself. And maybe she's one of those that has someone that does help take care of her sometimes. Maybe she has no one. The indicator here is she's not well off. And that... Life situation and that suffering created something in her that was amazing. Because she was able to look around and realized after she lost her husband, she's able to look around and say, wait a minute, there's all these other people out there that have needs. It's not just me. There's people that have leprosy. There's people that have all sorts of diseases. There's people that are in tough situations for various reasons. And I wasn't at some point in time, and now I am. But I realize what it is to be in need. And I realize that God provides somehow. And out of this difficult circumstance that she went through, God worked in her heart to create something amazing and create something powerful. And so she walks into the temple this day, or the temple grounds, and is looking around and says, Man, I know that there's so many people that are in need. And I've had a good meal today. And I don't know where my next meal is going to come from, but I just cannot get out of my mind the people that I have seen begging today and the people that are in difficult circumstances and that are hurting. And so as I walk into the temple today, I realize that I am much better off than some are. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the crowd quietly. Nobody's going to notice me anyway, just one of these widows that hangs out at the temple. I'm going to take what I have which is all I have at this point in time. And I'm going to give it to God, knowing that God's going to provide, but there's somebody out there that needs more than me right now. And I've learned what it is to have plenty. I've learned what it is to have nothing. And I've eaten today, and I'm going to be just fine. And she walks by. She puts those coins in the treasury And what she never expects is there is the Son of God standing over to the side with religious leaders. Man, allergy season in February, unbelievable. And there she is, standing over to the side, 
not realizing that the Son of God is there with the religious leaders and people, and maybe she never even realizes this happens. But Jesus looks up because he knows what's happening. He says, there, that's the lady. Look at that. Look at that example. This is what I've been telling you. He says, in order to follow me, you have to give up what you have. You have to give up who you are. And this lady has learned this. This lady has walked through life. This lady has lost and realizes that God is going to provide even when he doesn't, doesn't seem like we have anything to provide for ourselves. This lady, if she would have given nothing, nobody would have blamed her for it. But she's willing to come out as one in need. She understands need and she is giving to others. That's what I want you to be like. The widow appears to give very little, but the widow actually, in Jesus' eyes, gives much. And she is made of much more than others could see. What's going on inside of her is much, much more than other people around her could see. And the widow understood this from the book of James and the words of God. God says, and this is a quote from James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Hey, there's two things there, and this is one of these phrases like Jesus said at different times. What sums up the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. You do those things, everything else is going to fall into place. And this is one of these summary statements that's very similar. And James, so the Holy Spirit, says, here's the things that, that, that really matter in our, in our spiritual walk. is keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. All that evil stuff that's out there, stay away from it. Do not allow your heart and self to be polluted. Don't let your soul to be polluted by all, all the junk that's out there. But the second thing is how we take care of those who can't take care of themselves says a lot about what we are made of. It's not about having a fancy watch or whatever. But how, in God's eyes, how we take care of those who cannot take care of themselves says a lot about what we're made of. That phrase of this sentence got me thinking a lot this week. And uh, this is... um, uh, this is the Sunday that we set aside to take a special contribution for Orphan's Lifeline. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But this next section, Luke, was where we were going to be anyway, really speaks to this. How we take care of those who can't take care of themselves says a lot about what we're made of and who we really follow as, uh, uh, as people of God. I want to talk about this uh, Orphan's Lifeline International here for a few minutes. And then... Um, I'll give you an opportunity. We'll finish with a collection, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. If you want to participate, you're welcome to. But Orphans Lifeline International, here is their mission statement. To bring hope to the orphans of the world by providing food, shelter, medical care, children's Bibles, educational assistance, adoption advocacy, and more in a manner that breaks the cycle of dependence and promotes individual and societal productivity, as well as charitable character within the community. Uh, Here is where Orphans Lifeline International has places that are supported. In Haiti, in India, in Kenya, Mexico, Pakistan, amazingly enough, in Uganda, the Philippines, Russia, and Liberia. Now, someone count for me how many countries those are when I'll tell you more about it. Noah, you got how many? Hang on, we'll we'll get to that here in just a second. So uh, Orphans Lifeline International, it's actually an organization that was started in Montana. This isn't one of these that's somewhere else that we don't know who these people are that run it. 
There's a couple of guys that are part of the, the Kalispell Church of Christ. Years ago, in the 90s, said, boy, there's all these orphans out there. What on earth can we do from Montana? You know, there's, we're in a place where we're, we're, we live in a, the promised land in some ways. We live in a place of abundance. And there's other places that are much more wealthy than us. But we've got all these possibilities of, of how we can help. Um, and maybe we should look around and see what can be done that nobody else is doing. Okay, how many countries are up there? Who counted? Nine? Okay, awesome. We've got nine countries up there. And so what happened is they started looking around, started traveling around, and seeing where uh, orphans were in need and coming back to the States and saying, hey, there's this orphanage in such and such a place and they really have a need and maybe you would be willing to give something to help this orphanage to be able to run. And so at this point in time, last year, um, there was 1.9 million raised that went into these orphanages around the world for this particular program. 89% of what is given goes directly into programs. 11% is administration and, and uh, fundraising. And so 89%, let's round it to 90, 89% of what is given goes straight to uh, take care of these kids. There is, uh, I'll show you some pictures. That's Kelvin Hoover. He um, was the minister, preaching uh, minister in Livingston for, for years, and, and he still lives there. And he's come and he's spoken here before, and many of you know who Kelvin Hoover is. Kelvin is, uh, uh, he's a fundraiser for, for this program. And this is a picture of, I, actually I was messing with him this week. I said, hey, you need to send some pictures and, and make sure you send pictures of yourself as well, not just the orphans. And so he sent me all sorts of pictures of him on the canoe trip, just being a goofball and, and that sort of thing. And I'm not going to show you all of those. But I'm going to show you this one because this is a picture of a baby who was, who was abandoned in Siberia in the 90s, left for dead. There's an orphanage that is supported by, by this program that took him in and uh, found a way uh, for him to be adopted into a family here in the States. And here he is. Man, knock it off, Chris. Gary, say, knock it off, Chris. Okay, thank you. Good. That's good. Feels better now. So here he is. He's a junior Oklahoma Christian. He's got a cool T-shirt with Star Wars on it. He's adopted, and, uh, and, and God is just using him to do great stuff. There's Kelvin there as well. He wanted to be in at least a couple of pictures, so there you have Kelvin there as well. Here's some more pictures. Um, this is uh, some girls that have returned. They grew up in this orphanage that's behind them there, and they returned uh, to come and visit the place where they were taken uh, to, to grow up. And uh, they, these girls were abandoned, left for dead sort of situations, and this orphanage in India took them on. Uh, here's a picture of um, a nurse that works in one of these orphanages there in India. She's taking care of uh, uh, this baby that was born and, and abandoned. Here is, um, it's called CCIM, and you can look it up on, on the website, uh, and I'll give you some more information here in just a bit. But they're doing what's the, what we would call a national anthem for us. You know, we put our hands over our hearts, say the Pledge of Allegiance, they do the British salute, and they're, um, they're out there, all these, these kids that are part of this orphanage there. Here is a, a picture of the second floor, second story that was put on the orphanage with funds that were given a couple of years ago. And uh, you'll see the almost finished product here in just a minute. Here's some of the kids that participate there. Man, look at how those kids are sitting there. 
Now, adults, I don't know that we could pull that off, okay? This is some serious, uh, great discipline that's happened here. Here is uh, the almost finished product of this, uh, this one particular orphanage that is supported by this program there in India. Um, pretty, pretty amazing structure there. Uh, here is one of the young men that grew up in that particular orphanage, and he is uh, living in that community now, has his own clothing shop. Um, here is uh, another uh, little girl there in India as well that is, uh, has her Bible out, is reading there during a, a reflection time. This is uh, another place, the, the Agape home in India. These kids are, are there as part of their school program. There is, uh, here is, this comes from Haiti. Picture on the left is kid abandoned, malnourished. On the right, before and after picture. Okay, Gary, say it. Okay, thanks, Gary. That's good. I got it. Allergies kicking in today, but that's, I got this. All right. Here is uh, another picture from Haiti. Now, the uh, pictures they've made from, from scripture. Uh, here is, uh, uh, this is actually in Liberia, in West Africa. Uh, some of the children, in fact, this is actually, this is from Liberia in Africa as well. And this is uh, uh, the children in this particular orphanage participating in a church rally that happened there. And the kids are there participating and, and the, the adults uh, get to mentor them and teach them during this time. So there's a, just a few pictures there. And I'm going to give you the website that you can look at here in just a minute. But this program is something the church here has been affiliated with and, and been generous towards for, for many years. And so there's a, the program just asks if we could set aside one Sunday to have a special contribution. It makes all the difference in the world. And so today is the day that we can do that. And so we have our special contribution. You can, you can give check or cash or you can give online, okay? You can go to our website, BelgradeChurchOfChrist.com. Click on the connect button, and it'll go down, and you scroll down to where it says giving, press giving, and then you can press donate. You can pull out your phone and you can do it right now if you like. But that is, is one way that, and not only, but weekly contribution, you can give that way as well. If you go to the website, um, orphanslifeline.org, what you'll find there is there's other programs, like, for example, you can, if, if God's stirring your heart today, say, man, this is something I want to do, you can, there's, you can adopt a child and give enough every month that takes care of one child somewhere in the world. And so there's a, that's one way that this program works is, is a, if you or your family decide you want to do that, there's the information right there that you can, uh, you can take that on and, and continue to, to give in, in that way. I talked with, when I was talking with Kelvin here this last week, one of the things that he, he mentioned, I, I asked him this before and, and I brought it up again this week. I said, Kelvin, when you travel around and you go to churches and you share about this ministry and this program, um, what, do, you, do you hard sell people? I'm just messing with Kelvin because Kelvin's a goofball and I love to mess with Kelvin and say, so do you do, you do these things like, hey, if you, uh, if you don't come down and if you don't give today, you're a terrible person and you turn, you, you know, I'm just, again, just messing with Kelvin. And Kelvin said, no, 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 no. What I've learned is I just pitch the program and I say, here is one way that you can be generous to others and you can show um, the, the love of God that way. But I know that this is not the only way. 
And there's many, many other ways that God places on our hearts in different ways in order to be generous towards people who don't have much. How we take care of people who can't take care of themselves says a whole lot about us. And he says, what I do is I just pitch this program and then I tell people and tell churches, if there's something you as an individual is on your heart right now as I'm talking and, and pitching this program, and you're, you're not thinking about, oh man, this, this program is something that I've just, that has stirred my heart and I need to do something. But somewhere in your heart, you're thinking about, boy, I've got a neighbor that, that, is, that really needs, and, and I have not provided, and I, I can, and I'm going to. It says, then do that. And whatever, in whatever form or fashion, you find your heart being stirred right now, don't let that go. Don't just put it aside. But decide this week that I'm going to do something in order to, to, to take care of somebody that cannot take care of themselves. I think about, uh, there's, a, there's a lot that we can share here, but I'm not, I'm not going to drone on. Uh, but every one of us is made uniquely by God. And I think about this widow that was at the temple that day that Jesus pointed out and said, that's the lady. I imagine that her losing her husband and experiencing very difficult circumstances, that she learned what it was to really be in tough situations. That walking through the temple that day, she said, I have been given enough for today, and I'm going to bless someone else, and I'm going to take care of them today. That heartache or that experience, those experiences in life, put her in a situation where she could and would do that. God had worked in her heart and built her to be that person that was willing to be that generous. And for every one of us, we have opportunities that we've been given in life. We have struggles that that we have faced. We have adversity. We have obstacles. We have heartache. All of those things come together to make us who we are right now. And we've got a choice. Am I going to allow those things that I've had to overcome to make me bitter, to make me angry? Or am I going to use everything that, that God has placed in my way at this point in time to say, I know that God is my provider, therefore... I am going to look out for people who cannot take care of themselves today and somehow provide that blessing. Nobody would have expected that widow to walk through the temple grounds and put all she had to live on. People would have said, no, no, don't do that. You've got to save it for yourself. <laughs> don't do that. Apparently Jesus said, hey, good girl. That's exactly the heart that I love because you know what's up. You know that I'm going to provide for you. You know I'm going to take care of you. And so that's my, my recommendation today is we'll, we'll give this uh, contribution for, uh, for this uh, orphan's lifeline. But whatever is going on in your heart, wherever, whatever is being stirred at this point in time, maybe it's not right now, but maybe it's later this week, but these words and this example of this uh, widow in the temple just stirs your heart and you think, I, there is someone that I need to take care of, there's someone that I need to look out for, that I'm going to do something about it this week. I encourage you to not get distracted, but do it. And by doing so and living out that way, day in, day out, we find ourselves living out the abundant life of Jesus. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head back. The elders will be waiting back there to pray with you, speak with you, whatever you need. Uh, Let's stand and sing together.